Hello and welcome to Behind the Study. Behind the Study takes an up-close and personal look at researchers at Ryerson University's Institute for Hospitality and Tourism Research, as well as its affiliates, any past and current researchers, speakers, contributors, and various networks. Through the podcast, listeners can get a glimpse of their background and experiences that have led them to their role at the Institute for Hospitality and Tourism Research, as well as their careers and profession. Each episode features a different researcher speaking about their interests, influences, and ideas. My name is Parita Shaw, and today I have here with me Oscar Vorobiovas Pinta, professor, researcher at, at Edith Cohen University in Australia. Oscar is an expert in all things LGBTQI tourism, niche events and tourism, tourism in the digital and technology enhanced world, as well as social impacts of tourism. Hello and welcome, Oscar. It's great to be speaking with you today. So to start off, who is Oscar Vorobiovas Pinta personally and professionally? Hi, Parita. Uh, thank you for having me. My primary research area is LGBTQI plus tourism. I did my PhD in that area. And since I graduated, I sort of continue in, in that um, area as well. So my PhD really focused on perhaps the hospitality side of the LGBTQI plus communities. I did an ethnographic study exploring you know, tribal traits in one and only LGBTQI plus resort here at, in Australia. So that's what I wrote my thesis about. But since then, I sort of broadened my scope a little bit more. And today I work more in LGBTQI plus events side. So looking at uh, pride events uh, in particular, and with a strong focus also on regional communities and regional uh, destinations and how they use LGBTQI plus uh, events to enhance their, I guess, uh, destination brand to bring different kinds of people, but also what sort of impact those events have on local LGBTQI plus communities. So to get to know you a little bit more, what does your role look like as a researcher and as a professor? Mm, lots of work. <laughs> in Australia, we do have, a, I'm sure that's same in, in Canada, uh, we have to divide our time between teaching and doing research. This semester in particular, I'm very heavy on the teaching side. So uh, research is slightly suffering, but I'm trying uh, to do my best. So, and I'm trying also to find the ways of how I can, fingers crossed, that paper gets uh, published as well. So the work is going on and sort of, you know, the queer person teaching has always been very curious about various things. And I guess that's what leads my research as well, that curiosity and finding out sort of sometimes really even nitty gritty details about our everyday lives. Right. So speaking of curiosity, that brings me to my next question. Being an industry professional, how has doing research on LGBTQI plus tourism shifted your perspective on of the industry and your key focus of research? Are there topics that have piqued your interest so much so that they have caused a positive shift in your key area of research? I started my research career, I was actually working in the industry as a tour guide as well as a duty manager at one of the boutique hotels here in Australia and as a tour guide in, in Europe. 
So I was always curious about why people behave in the ways they behave. Why do we change our attitudes and behaviors when we travel? And I guess, I guess that curiosity led me to doing more research or sparked that curiosity in, in starting doing research. To be honest, when I started my PhD, there was a moment then when I forgot why I'm doing this PhD as well, because you can get lost in, you know, paradigms and theories and right. forget why you, really, why you really do research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess that changed again once I went into the field to collect the data And because I was collecting data in a very familiar setting for myself, because as I said, I worked as a tour guide. So I was involved with resorts or dealing with resorts on on multiple occasions, uh, sort of um, brought it all back. And I really hope that the research that I'm doing is doing some sort of contributing towards a positive change, I guess. I mean, I understand that I'm not curing cancer or I'm not doing medical research that, you know, has a direct impact on a broad community. But I think any kind of research has the potential to change. Uh, We see our lives or how we live our lives as well. That was a great answer. Um, I like how you touched upon different perspectives and different experiences that um, various travelers and different travelers can have in different parts of countries as well. So you have been a professor at the Edith Cohen University and at the University of uh, Tasmania teaching courses such as sustainable tourism, festival and and events management, as well as dynamics of tourism and many more. So how has your experience helped you as a teacher and as a professor? And how has that been for you as in, how are you able to bring in your experiences within the hospitality and tourism industry to your students and in the classroom? To be honest, it was a huge help that I did work in the industry prior to coming into teaching. Yes, you do require academic knowledge and, you know, understanding of frameworks that sort of puts everything into perspective. But drawing examples from the industry, drawing examples from, you know, uh, career anecdotes, I think enriches the class so much better. Now, there are areas, you know, a lot of people, a lot of students think that, you know, your professor is probably knowing everything about everything. And that's really not true. (laughs) We do know a lot, but obviously there are areas that we are specializing more on and we have more knowledge on that side. Now, if I come into situations where I do not necessarily have uh, experience in I understand it theoretically I always try to bring in a guest lecture perhaps a right. fun and appropriate video to show to the students as well so overall I think having that grounding in industry prior to my academic career certainly helps to enrich the experiences of the students and experiences of the whole learning process as well yes definitely So for my next question, in your most recent book publication, Gay Tourism New Perspectives, you mentioned the following. Travel to San Francisco, Berlin, New York, Ibiza, etc. offers a chance to lead a life more authentically your own. Although travel offers a temporary escape, it also offers a possibility of creation, such as building identity and new friendships, creating 
new opportunities for community connections, sexual exploration, and romantic experiences. However, opportunities to travel are not easily available to many LGBTQI plus people. So what would you say are some risks for LGBTQI plus people traveling to other countries as also mentioned in your in your book publication that LGBTQI plus travelers are showing them the greatest propensity to travel again post COVID-19. One thing to understand is that when, when we are looking at LGBTQI plus travel, there's so much information, so much research done from the Western perspective or from the global right. North perspective, where we are privileged to a degree to have lives that where we don't really need to hide perhaps as much as uh, who we are. And so, you know, uh, by doing my research, I've realized how many people are still hiding that they are identifying as queer, even in Australia, you know, which uh, has same-sex marriage equality laws right. and, and all of that. So when it comes when it comes to travel, you're very right. We tend to escape out escape our everyday lives and it offers us an opportunity to be who we are right mm -hmm. so because traveling offers anonymity you are in a new place you might be only there for three days you can do whatever you want yeah you, you know if you've done something really naughty you probably <laughs> won't come back and that's it pretty much right <laughs> yeah. or you know it just and we see that, you know, that's why there's higher alcohol consumption, for example, where people travel. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we buy things we would normally buy when we travel, right? So the whole concept of liminality in a third space as well. I'm sure, Perita, you also, when you traveled, maybe bought a shirt that, that you only wore on yeah. travel. And yeah. when you came back, you probably put it somewhere in the drawer and never <laughs> yep. wore it again, right? So, so that is that. So, but then we have this emerging uh, travel from countries that, uh, in particular, before COVID nineteen, we obviously need to put that in perspective. We see this emerging travel, in particular, from Southeast Asia, where homosexuality is not as accepted. Yes, there are some countries like Taiwan, for example, that are really trying to be progressive and um, sort of embrace that kind of uh, life as well. Yet people, for those people living in Southeast Asian countries, when they travel around, that's the only time they can be themselves very often, mm -hmm. uh, where they don't need to, in, in a public even, right? So where they don't need to hide somewhere in a nightclub or in, I don't know, in a sauna or wherever that is, or, you know, behind, behind doors uh, of who they are. So again, traveling offers that kind of freedom as well. Now, when it comes to travel after crisis, so some research suggests that LGBTQ plus market is one of the first that is really eager to go out and travel. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that also happening in a post-COVID 19 world right. the post-covid though is that everyone can't travel i'm not sure what's the situation like in canada but in australia we actually can't leave australia without applying to leave and you have okay. to be granted a permission by the government to leave australia and go and travel and there are only exceptional circumstances which allow you to go abroad usually that involves compassionate reasons 
such as death in a family, for example. Mm -hmm. So people don't really travel for very happy moments now. So I think once the borders are open, I think everyone will travel. I'm not sure whether there will be any distinct differences between LGBTQI plus people and the heterosexual counterparts. So uh, yes, I think following those trends that probably the market will will bounce back at least um, right. I hope that's going to happen. So each market segment of travelers has their own wants and needs to be fulfilled and also in terms of what they're looking for when traveling. Some common things include safety, basic amenities and necessities, excursions, etc. Some of which you, you have touched upon. How do you feel about the ways in which the hospitality and tourism industry is changing to accommodate more towards LGBTQI plus travelers now versus in the past? And where do you foresee this going in the next coming years as gay tourism now challenges heteronormative practices and values in the tourism industry especially? Gay tourism or LGBTQI plus tourism has changed tremendously probably in the last 20 years or so right and it all started probably as we saw the progress with marriage equality laws right so I believe that was the Netherlands which was the first country to legalize uh, same-sex marriage and since then we saw sort of proliferation of these types of laws not necessarily marriage equality but discrimination protection Mm -hmm. laws and all of that in the global north right so the situation is really getting better and got better from where we were 20 30 years ago and uh, where we are uh, now however i think it's really problematic to think that everything is only only getting better because we're falling in this false feeling that everything is positive and everything is great, right? And that we don't really need to do anything to better our our lives or uh, better queer lives. You know, we see with movements such as Me Too and, and Black Lives Matter that those social problems really are still pretty much grounded in our societies. And at times of crises such as COVID-19 in particular, following news from Europe, in particular from uh, newer European Union members, such as, uh, for example, Lithuania and Latvia, whenever there is crisis such as COVID, they're trying to find groups of people to blame for, maybe indirectly, not Mm -hmm. to say that, you know, uh, LGBT people are blamed for COVID-19, but when when there are these kind of frictions in society, people start to separate groups, people into different kind of groups and emphasizing their features and how bad they are and so on and so forth. And this is really problematic and really in really bad, right? Even in, in 2021, we hear that. So, so there's still a lot of work to be done, right? Through applying international law, obviously through United Nations and United Nations World Tourism Organization has also continued on publishing their reports on um, LGBT travel in the world, but also from other, for, for other supranational institutions such as European Union that, you know, tries and monitors so that we are still holding on to uh, not violating human rights, right? Right. Including uh, the rights of LGBT. So whilst we saw a proliferation of services 
and uh, tourism uh, experiences for LGBTQI plus uh, people, and that's going to grow, I think there's still a lot to be done, right? Both in global north as well as in global south. So there's still, you know, I think around 70 uh, jurisdictions around the world that uh, punish uh, various kinds of forms of LGBTQI plus acts and I believe in a handful of countries you can still be killed right uh, legally mm -hmm. killed for being part of LGBTQI plus community so so it's punishable by death so there's still a lot uh, to be done in that uh, in that space right and I believe also whilst societies became quite inclusive we still see the need for the so-called gay space right so where people can be amongst similar you know like-minded right. others where they can share their stories where they can just be who they are and be understood mm -hmm. by a sheer coincidence that they are identifying as uh, lgbtqi plus how do you see pinkwashing playing a role within the hospitality and tourism industry? Pinkwashing is uh, another uh, big issue. And we see a lot of pinkwashing happening in and around LGBTQI plus pride months, right? So around gay right. pride months. So uh, in Australia, that for us around Sydney Mardi Gras, which is usually in uh, February or uh, sometimes it's in early March. In the Northern Hemisphere, that's usually the month of June, right? Yep. So when everyone comes together and raises those issues around LGBTQI uh, QI plus communities. And then for the rest of the year, for the rest of 11 months, seems that nobody really cares, right? Mm -hmm. So for the month of June, we see companies change, change their logos to adapt the rainbow flag and showing how inclusive they are and so on and so forth. And then, you know, not really showing any kind of involvement with the LGBTQI plus communities for the rest of the year. Right. Some are better than the others. The other issue is also the commodification of pride events as well they are they became really money making mm -hmm. events right so usually pride events or the reason why we have pride events they came from really protests right to yeah. uh like stonewall riots and the riots that we had in sydney as well in 1979 they're really about the protest and you know showing that lgbtqi plus communities exist and that they are problems in the society and that those problems have to be uh, addressed. So it was really about awareness raising. Whilst it's great that, you know, those many of those issues are not the issues anymore, I believe a lot of events just perhaps lost their identity as to why they are happening, why we're having these parties. And a lot of pride events became also inaccessible for a lot of LGBTQI plus community members because to get into like after parties or associated events that is not the actual parade is quite expensive. Mm -hmm. So so there is this exclusionist kind of approach a little bit as well when it comes to like pinkwashing and commodifying LGBTQI plus, I guess, culture really and history. Right. 
So we spoke about safe, uh, creating safer communities and safer spaces for the LGBTQI community previously. So in your article, Resisting Marginalization and Reconstituting Space Through LGBTQI Plus Events, written with Anne Hardy, um, it is mentioned how LGBTQI plus communities utilize gay events such as pride parades, gay clubs, bars, drag events, et cetera, as mediums to communicate their identities and seek support from a broader society. What are some things DMOs, destinations, and gay hostile countries and destinations can do in order to create a safer community and space through events for LGBTQI plus travelers? Great question as well. Why I really love that article that you just quoted. It's based on a very small rural town, mining town, some would say in the middle of nowhere, uh, in a desert, broken hill. Now, the reason why they are organizing uh, the event there is for a movie called Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert. And that's an iconic Australian movie from, I believe, 1994, where a group of drag queens uh, and a transgender person traveling across Australia, right, and in the full drag uh, outfit, mm -hmm. and then sort of really capturing the experience and the journey in the rural towns in uh, in Australia. So it was really fascinating and new. And that's probably what triggered my interest in exploring the LGBTQI plus events in regional destinations and looking at what do these regional DMOs do to attract a different kind of market segment. And to my surprise, uh, there are so many places, small regional towns, not just in Australia, but also around the world, who are starting celebrating Pride events as well and having this segment as part of the uh, market they have identified they want to to target right mm -hmm. so it offers i guess a point of difference right i guess to begin with because it's not so it's still not happening everywhere it yeah. happens in sort of certain destinations there's still a sense of novelty there's still sense of niche and it's a great opportunity to also showcase that we are inclusive, right? Very often when we think about regional destinations, I'm sure that's probably the same in Canada, we tend to think that lives in cities such as Sydney or Toronto are much more accepting of diversity. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think that regional destinations for some reason would be backwards right so i guess by organizing such um, events you're also signaling and showing that you know look at us we actually are as inclusive as uh, uh, uh is the rest of the countries as are the big cities mm -hmm. and at the same time tapping into this particular market as well now those events that they are organizing or if they're uh, creating attractions that are somehow specifically catering to LGBTQI plus segments or indeed opening hotels, uh, resorts, wherever that is. Again, it's great. Uh, however, we have to be careful that we do not tap into that pinkwashing right. uh, kind of uh, process as well so it's a really fine balance right because a gay consumer from 
countless of, of interviews I've done in different projects with my uh, interview uh, with my research participants, LGBTQI plus consumer knows when they're taking advantage of. And when you tick over that is a really problematic situation because mm -hmm. that will be seen as pinkwashing, as money grabbing and all of that. And interestingly, that came out in particular from a research I've done on um, gay friendly stickers. I'm sure that you're familiar that, you know, businesses advertise themselves as gay friendly or accommodation advertises as gay mm -hmm. friendly. But if it's only the sticker and there's nothing else you're doing about it, there's nothing much yeah. you can get from as well from the community. Right. As your professional development continues from speaking at conferences, being on ethics boards and new industry research interests and ideas, and even within your personal life, what is next on your journey? Any passion projects? Are there any interesting industry areas that you're looking deeper into and keeping an eye on? I really enjoy the research that I'm doing in the LGBTQI plus space. And I'm happy that I'm known for the work that I'm doing in that space as well. And I certainly will continue my work in there as well. However, you know, I have also other passions uh, and other interests as well. Some of them are directly linked to, to tourism, some of them are not. So I still, I'm still very passionate for LGBTQ plus issues. So I'm really work, started working on now on explore, exploring the LGBTQI plus curriculum or queer curriculum in, in tertiary education. So how do we integrate that right. in, in business schools? So that's sort of probably non-tourism related uh, research that they're doing, but still with LGBTQI plus people. But also I have really a lot of passion for research in um, Airbnb, for example, uh, and the social uh, issues surrounding yeah. the, the concept of a peer-to-peer -peer, um, model, for both looking from the community perspective, but also pretty much looking from the provider sorry, from the provider perspective. Mm -hmm. And also I'm sort of expanding my research a bit further to investigate human rights on a broader scale as well in tourism. So why do we travel to countries that are known for violating human rights, for example? Mm -hmm. And sort of answering those kind of uh, questions as well. And look, there's always interesting uh, research projects that come from industry as well, right? I'm very passionate always to work the communities where I work. So our campus, Edith Cowan University Business and Law School is based in a suburb, I guess, called uh, Joondalup. So it's part of the city of Joondalup. Uh, it's about 27, 28 kilometers from Perth. So from Perth CBD, uh, Perth is a very long city. And I'm really interested in working with... Uh, of the local government here to see what their needs are and how we can work together. And that's not necessarily just a research, but also teaching. So mm -hmm. I'm teaching this semester a completely new unit I've developed. It's called Travel Destination and Visitor Management, 
So, you know, it's all about DMOs and travel product and visitor experience man management and all of that. But I'm really trying to put this regional local spin on it. And I've uh, included the city of Joondala to participate in this process as well. So we just the other day had a guest uh, lecture from uh, one of the people who developed a destination management plan for Destination Joondalup and students are also doing their assignments on Joondalup. So where they are oh, studying great. is where the, mm -hmm. some of them are living as well. So it's really, you know, globally informed and, you know, the concepts and frameworks and all of that is the same as used across the world. You know, what we're teaching in Australia, what you're teaching in, in Canada, but really putting that regional spin and showing how that relates to the community that they study and live in uh, as well. And sort of almost having maybe feeling that they are contributing in one uh, shape or form as well. And as for my last question, are there any key takeaways for the listeners who may be current and future researchers, students, other industry professionals, and anyone listening? I think the most important thing is to do what you are passionate about. And if you're passionate about the research topic, but perhaps is not as uh, sexy as many might feel, do it. You know, if you're passionate about something, you want to be known for what you're doing, just do it. Do not go and, you know, tap into various topics just because they are popular this right. is one of the reasons for example why i don't believe i have any publication on covid19 because it's simply not really that interesting for me and there's so many people who are doing it yes i have to address it in my phd because it has affected our lives but i'm not doing any research particularly relating to covid19 right right so having having your golden thread is very important, I think, even for the for the young researchers and young professionals. You can always maneuver and go and you have different interests, but having that 